Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. And you can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Uh, hey, welcome to Life Church. My name is Jeff Young. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Carissa. It's, it's always a joy having you guys this morning. It's even greater of a joy to um, uh, introduce to you who's going to be speaking this morning in just a minute, but I got to kind of brag on him first. So as most of you know, if you don't know, uh, Pastor Fred and Dale uh, started pastoring here in 1981, 1981, just a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, they led this church for 30 full years and then invited Curtis and I to, to transition with them. And, and I shared uh, uh, with a uh, our lead team or our life team this morning, all those who, who volunteer, I shared with them this morning that, you know, I get a lot of times the, the question, is it, is it weird having, you know, your father-in-law, he's there for 30 years. Is it, is it weird? Is there a lot of pressure? Is it strange? And I, and I just go, no, it's, it's amazing. And that's how it should be. Uh, too many churches have weird church things happen. And I'm sure we've probably experienced that. If you've been in church life, any longer than a few seconds, you've probably experienced something and go, that doesn't seem right. It feels weird. That doesn't, that doesn't seem like Jesus. And uh, I, I always want to reflect Jesus. And I think the way in which you guys have led have reflected Jesus. And uh, I, I just love, love, love who you are, what you've done for our church. Where, where we are today is because of you guys and because of the love and the faithfulness and the care and the thought and, and just the steadfast faithfulness that you have. I don't want to share too much because we have a lot of things to do and I want to give you time to preach. But would you, with me today, would you stand together and just celebrate Pastor Fred as he comes up? 50 years of being a licensed pastor. Come on up. Woo! Love you. Love you too. Amen. 50 years. You can take a seat. So, hey, I want to invite you, uh, if you've known Pastor Fred and Dale and you love them, you're all, you're all invited to, actually, after he preaches, you're all going to be in love with him. So you're all invited to, to join us for lunch after second service. We're going to take some time to celebrate and honor a lot more. And, uh, but this moment right now is for you to preach your heart out, which we can't wait to hear. All right. Love thank you. <clears throat> actually, 50 years just means that I'm old. I can remember uh, my wife and I going to a conference <clears throat> in Estes Park, Colorado, and uh, we got there and we saw on the, the program that the main speaker was a Presbyter- old Presbyterian, 75-year-old Presbyterian uh, philosopher of ethics and religion. And I said to my wife, I says, well, you know, honey, I know I always like to go to all the sessions because I want to be, you know, um, cautious about that. And, and um, I says, you know, he, he's old. If we want to sleep in, let's just sleep in. And uh, I, I couldn't sleep in because of, you know, all the excitement of being at convention with all our friends. And, and we got there, and this man did not move from the pulpit. I mean, he just stood right here, and he spoke. But when he finished, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. I can still remember his message. 
the telescopic God and the microscopic God. His second sermon the next day, we were both there. We wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. And he spoke, and this was pastors, and he spoke. He says, what does it profit a man if he logs 5,000 miles around the world and loses his son? <clears throat> At that point, we hadn't had children. But it was like the Holy Spirit just put that in me to make sure when you have children, you don't neglect them because of ministry. You know, your kids are important. Your grandkids are important. In fact, I, we were just singing one of my favorite songs because it was about seven years ago, we were taking care of Jeff and Chris's kids as they were in Hawaii for the convention. When we were in convention, it was down in Los Angeles. He comes along and is pastor. Now they have conventions in Hawaii and Anaheim and Disneyland. And, and so we're taking care of their kids. And I was having some lung issues and I was on some oxygen. And so Dale took Emma to her ball game with the kids. And she came back and I stayed home. And I says, honey, I can't breathe. I says, um, she just put the kids to bed. I says, you need to call 911. I can't breathe. I had my oxygen up as high as it will go, 20 liters and I couldn't breathe, and I was struggling. And uh, the par paramedics get there, and they're tending to me, and they says, uh, sir, just calm down. Well, you know, when you can't breathe, you can't calm down. And I'm, I'm just gasping. I'm just, I, I tried every way, every position to try to, to, try to breathe. And um, they took me out the ambulance, and Dale standing on the porch, and she's wondering, why aren't they leaving? Because it seemed like we were there for a long time. They were trying to get an IV in me. The problem was it was a newbie. They were trying to get an IV right here. And I'm thinking, you know, this is a better place here, or this is a better place here. But no, they were trying right there. But I'm gasping for breath, and it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke. And I said, Lord, I can't praise you if I can't breathe. So, Lord, would you pour, speak just as you spoke to Adam when you created him and you breathed the spirit into him and he became a living being. Lord, would you speak a creative uh, breath into my lungs so I can breathe? When I came out of the hospital, I didn't need my oxygen tank anymore. That was seven years ago. I still don't use my oxygen tank. I don't have one. It's gone. He is that. So I tell my granddaughter, I was taking her out to preschool, and I says, the song came on the radio, and I says, Pearl, that's one of Grandpa's favorite songs. And I told her how God had healed me. A week later, I'm taking her out to, to preschool, and the song comes on the radio, and she goes, Grandpa, there's your song. Don't ever take lightly what you say to your grandkids or your kids. Speak truth. Speak life to them. They'll always remember. Well, enough of that. <clears throat> it's a joy to, to be here. I'm not quite sure where to, where to start. Um, been so many good things happened in our lives. Um, I want to acknowledge my wife. Somebody says, how come she didn't get her 50-year pin? Well, when I started in ministry, I was single, and I had to go to Canada to find the wife that I wanted and the wife that God had for me. But it took me four years to figure it out. And uh, 
And I would not be up here celebrating 51 years if it wasn't for my wonderful wife. And so, honey, will you stand? Let, let them see who you are. Because <clears throat> probably some of you have seen her more than you've seen me around here because uh, she's just a very active, and my cardiologist said that um, I'm going to live longer because I have a good wife. So I believe that. Well, my assignment is uh, Ephesians chapter 3. So why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We've been going through this on how we do church. Somebody came up to me earlier before the service and said that one of my first sermons that I preached here was out of the book of Ephesians. He was here 40 years ago. You know how that is if you stay in one church for 40 years? That's a, that's a long time. And uh, so I, somebody came up to me and says, congratulations. I said, well, congratulations to you because you've put up with me for 40 of those uh, 50 years. Um, but as you look at the book of Ephesians, in the first three chapters are dealing with what Jesus has done for the church. All that God has established, all the things that he has done. It says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Say that with me, every spiritual blessing. That says to me that there is nothing lacking in God. Don't ever say, well, I'm, I've never been blessed. I'm not blessed. Yeah, you are. Sometimes we just don't recognize it. But it says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It says that he has seated us in the heavenly realms. What is that talking about? Well, it's an understanding that there is different levels of kingdoms. There's a spiritual kingdom. There's an evil kingdom. But we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. And I love in the first chapter in his prayer to the Ephesians church in his first chapter, he says that he has made his enemy the footstool and we are his body. So if his foot is on the enemy, where are we? If we are his body, the enemy should be under us, not over us. Amen? And a lot of the things that we see going on in our world you know, there's so much uh, divisiveness and chaos. But I think one of the things that we have forgotten about is that there is an evil one who works evil in the hearts of men and women in our world. It doesn't get there. We want to blame it on the government, but the government are just people too. And some people in government have good hearts. And some people in government have evil hearts. And it doesn't make them Republican or Democrat or independent. It's people who have opened their heart to either God or to the evil. And then God calls the church to be the witness of his grace and his mercy to a hurting world. And that's what... Uh, Chris shared with us last week that the mystery that has been hidden through the ages 
has now been revealed through the church to the world. And that becomes our responsibility. Let's look at that passage in uh, Ephesians. Actually, I need to get my phone out because I can't read that. It's too small. And uh, let, let's look at first. Uh, 10 if you have it. If not, I just want to read it because this is what we looked at last week, that the mystery that he gave to the church, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may, may approach God with freedom and confidence. We couldn't do that before Christ. And so now that Christ has done all these things for us, he created us to, for good works. We've been saved by grace. It wasn't anything that we did. So often we put the emphasis on what I do and what I do. I don't make miracles. I believe in miracles. I'm here because I'm a miracle of God. Twice I almost died. But twice, God healed me. I'm a miracle. I believe in miracles. But I can't produce a miracle. Only he can. i got to believe in miracles and know that he can bring life and, and, and hope and health in all those areas in our lives. So now let's look at our passage. For this reason, three chapters. Now he's saying, now for this reason, I bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you through power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that out that you would be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Jack Hayford, who was a strong leader in Foursquare for many years, made this statement about the Holy Spirit. The workings of the Holy Spirit are invisible, glorious, gentle, and he never is about himself. He comes to glorify Jesus, helping us to see Jesus more, to understand Jesus better, to respond to Jesus more abundantly, and to love Jesus with a deeper heart of commitment. So when I look at this prayer that Paul is praying for the church, that's you and I. The word church is ecclesia, and it's the called out ones. God has called us out of the world, and he has brought us together, and we become a, a, a community of believers, the church. My concern today is I see a lot of people who are saying, I don't need the church. I love God, but I don't need the church. Oh, we all need the church. We have to be connected to people. It's so vital. It's so important. And 
when we're doing what God has called us, we do it as a church. One of the values of our church here is that we do things as a team. We don't have long rangers. We don't have soloists going out and doing their own thing. No, we do things as a team. You know, when you're a, a tennis player, you have an agent, but you have nobody cheering for you as a team. They're, they can't encourage you. In fact, even the coach is not even allowed to, to be down with you. And, and if you get some signs from, from a coach, if it's not the correct way, then they can be kicked out. So you, as a tennis player, you're all by yourself out there. I've been watching our grandkids playing softball in Little League. And, and when they win as a team, those kids go crazy. Such a joy to watch them. And they are, they're all just so excited because they did it as a team. And that's the way the church is. We do things as a team. It's together. And so Paul's prayer is for us as a church. Now we have this commission to do. And so I want to ask a question. Let's not limit God. Sometimes we limit God. There seems to be a strain in, in Christianity that says, you know, we don't really need the Holy Spirit anymore. When you try to talk about the miraculous and the things that are going on, because Paul says, I, I pray that you will be strengthened with the power of his Spirit. And yet so often we don't want to even hear about the power of the Spirit. For some of you that don't know me, my background is that I was born and raised in a four-square church. My dad was a pastor. We lived right next door to the church. I can remember revivals three weeks in a row, every night of the week. Even when it was time for us to go to bed, my window would still be open, and I would still hear the guy going on next door. And I've seen some wild and crazy things, which could have at some point in my life turned me away from the things of the Spirit of God, because I've seen the good, and I've seen the bad, and I've seen the ugly. There's weird stuff. Jeff said, sometimes weird stuff goes on. Just because it's weird doesn't necessarily mean that that's of God. When I was growing up, anything that sounded weird and crazy, well, that must be God, yeah. Well, when I began to understand when God would give a word of knowledge or somebody would give a tongue to an interpretation or a prophetic word, usually the response was, yay, God spoke to us. Okay, let's go on with the rest of the service. No. Hey, if God spoke to us, shouldn't we take some time and listen? Hello? Because if God speaks something, direct word to us, I want to know what it is. And so I always kept that in my heart. Lord, I, I want to hear from you. And so when Paul is praying about the Holy Spirit, he's saying, don't limit God. Let's, let's, let's go for it. There's three views that when we look at the work and, and the miracles of Jesus, some say that stories, they just have a, a reasonable explanation. I'm sure you've heard these stories. The reason why the Israelites were able to cross the Red Sea 
was because they were at a high, they found a high ground at some point across the Red Sea, and they were able to go across on a high ground. It was really shallow. Well, what a great miracle. Because he drowned the whole Egyptian army in shallow water. That's a miracle. Even though the Bible says that they went across on dry ground. Dry ground. Or the walls of Jericho falling down. It was actually an earthquake. See, we don't want to accept the fact that there is a God who does some incredible things. And you read through the scriptures and you see time and time again. I heard somebody the other day, there's only three times where miracles happened under Moses, under Elijah, and Jesus, and then it was over. I'm going, what Bible are you reading? I mean, I think about Gideon. I love the story of Gideon. How he takes 300 men and whoops an army of 125,000. Miracle? Anybody? Happen chance? Just lucky? Miracle. Second view of which I experienced when I was at Azusa Pacific College. I went to Azusa Pacific College in the late 80s or late 60s. And they weren't too open to the moving of the Spirit of God. In fact, if somebody even mentioned Holy Spirit, it was like, ooh, don't say that. Somebody got up in chapel and prayed, Holy Spirit of God, oh no, it's coming. What's going to happen? And I had professors that says, no, Holy Spirit is not working today. Once the canon of Scripture was completed, we don't need gifts of the Spirit anymore. We don't need knowledge anymore because it's pure, it's complete. The perfect has come. They take it one, one verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, when the perfect has come, that which is imperfect has been done away with. They define the perfect as the canonization of Scripture. It's called dispensationalism. And once the Bible was completed, the gifts of the Spirit went out, and we don't need them anymore. I don't know about you, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life every day. I need words of wisdom. I need word of knowledge. I need healing. I need faith. I need His grace. All the things that God has provided, all the riches of his glory are in Christ Jesus, are us. They're for us. We can have them. They didn't go out. So I want to lean to the third one, that the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is still alive and active today and throughout his church. The Foursquare Gospel Church that I've been part of for all my life Preaches Jesus Christ the Savior. There's only one, one, one Savior. That's Jesus. He's the healer. He still heals today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just as Jesus healed when he walked on this earth, he still heals today. Amen? He's a baptized of the Holy Spirit. 
What were the last words that Jesus spoke to his church, to his disciples? He says, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That was the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon them to do the work that they needed to do. And then he's the soon coming king. While we were at convention and one of the luncheons we were at and we were sitting there and vice president of global operations was sitting there and we were talking with him. And the Foursquare Gospel message is being preached today in 157 countries around the world. That's what we're all about. It's not building a big church here so we can have nice potlucks and enjoy the the serenity of everything around here. No, the reason why we exist is because we have work to do out there. We come here to get encouraged. We come here to get built up. But the true church, when we leave these doors, we minister the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. We're sending, we we support missionaries. We have missionaries around the world. They were telling us that the uh, churches in, Foursquare churches in Russia and in the Ukraine are on the phone together constantly praying and encouraging each other. Isn't that amazing? And there, there is so much. We have Foursquare disaster that, that they're there on the spot. They've, they've given out over a million dollars worth of goods to the refugees and the people who are running away from their country, getting out of their country. God is doing some incredible things in the midst of all the negativity and stuff that's going around. Why? God is still in charge. Yeah, there is an evil one who's still out there working. But I love the verse in Romans that says, where sin abounds, grace does what? Much more abound. There's people that are leaving California to utopia of other places. When we traveled back east with our, my brother and sister a couple of years ago, and uh, we went through nine, we went to Oklahoma and, and Kansas and uh, <clears throat> Tennessee and Kentucky, Missouri, Ohio, Idaho, no, not Idaho, uh, Indiana. We were at nine places in eight days or eight places in nine days. I can't remember uh, because we were also running away from a tornado at the same time. And uh, and it's like everywhere you went and you go into a restaurant and they're playing Christian music. You go to this place and they're playing Christian music. And, and everybody was friendly and everybody said hello. And, and Dale and I, we looked at each other, we... All of a sudden, realize we are missionaries in California. We are missionaries in California. You are a missionary in California. California needs Jesus, folks. 100,000 people have left California. I want to be around. I want to stay here to see people know Jesus. That's what he's called us. Where he's placed us. So, with that, let's look at Paul's prayer. First of all, he says, Strengthen us 
with power in the inner man. If we're going to reach our neighbors, friends, and family and touch a needy world for Jesus, it's not going to come through our strength. It's got to come through his strength. We are spirit, soul, and body. And it's in our area of our soul where we have our emotions, where we have our will, and where we have our mind and our thinking. But what Paul is talking about is being strengthened in the inner man, the spirit. And if the spirit isn't strengthening our soul, then we are still thinking or we still think or feel and act as the world does. That's why it's so important for us to have a consistency of studying the Word so we know what truth really is. And then the Holy Spirit takes the Word and and applies it to our heart, and, and we grow. But if we're not asking the Lord on a daily basis, Lord, strengthen my inner man. Because, Lord, right now, I'm not too weak, not too strong. Kind of like the prayer, the person pray, Lord, Things are going to get tough, and things are going to really be bad. And Lord, I pray for your strength today. And now I got to get up out of bed. Because that's the way we are sometimes. We're pretty strong when we're still laying in bed, right? Because then you got to go to work. And you got to face that person that you're having a hard time with at work. Or you know that you got a client coming in that you don't really want to see. Hello? Or you teachers, you have, oh, I got to deal with Johnny again. Lord, just let him go to another class. We need his spirit. If our spirit isn't strengthening us, then we give in to our feelings of our soul, our emotions, our thinking, and our will. And sometimes we give in to our physical feelings as well. Paul says that though my outward man may perish, I'm finding that to be more so. As I get older, things don't operate the way it used to. You know, I pulled something the other day, and I was just shaving. You know, you cough, and all of a sudden you're walking around like this. You know, it's just... It's like, what, what happened? I, I, I used to play basketball. I played full-court basketball until I was 60, and, and all of a sudden I just... I got to really watch where I'm going. I trip over a sandal that's just laid in the middle of the room. It's like, well, didn't you see it? I go, yeah, but somehow it didn't move. (laughs) But if you're looking for some event to change your life around, people travel all over hoping to, to find Jesus somewhere. Folks, he's right here. He's right here. And my prayer for you today is that you would be strengthened with his spirit in your inner man. Because then when that is strengthened, things begin to fall into place. Secondly, it says that our hearts rooted and grounded in love says that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. The word dwell means to be at home with. Have you ever gone to somebody's home and you walk in and you really don't feel all that comfortable? You know, it's like they have white carpet and they didn't ask you to take off your shoes. 
Or if they do ask you to take off your shoes, you're not sure you want to because you can't remember if you had a hole in your sock or not. And, and they only, you know, you just don't feel comfortable. How comfortable does Jesus feel in your home, your heart? Now, I've never had anybody come into our house and say, hey, just make yourself at home and walk over. Let's see what's in this closet. <laughs> you open the closet, everything falls out. No, people don't usually do that. But when we ask Jesus to come into our room, our home, to make himself to dwell in us, he may find areas in our life and says, you know what? You could probably get rid of this. Maybe you can put it on Marketplace and put it and sell it. But you don't need that in your life. But he says that we need to be rooted. A tree must get deeply rooted to be able to produce and survive. It speaks of nourishment and stability. In our backyard, we have a huge redwood tree. And I always look up at that tree and I go, oh, Lord, I hope that roots are really deep because if that started to fall, it could hurt a lot of people like my wife and I, and my kids, grandkids. And it's like, Lord, I'm, I hope that it's, you know, I don't know, it may be sucking water out of our pool too because um, it's going somewhere. But we must have our spiritual roots in love. Either that or we become legalistic, pharisaical, judgmental, uncaring, unloving, unforgiving, and not a whole lot of grace. There are people that are searching for people who will accept them, care for them, love them. People have gone through a lot of stuff. They've done a lot of things because of sin. What did Paul say? There go I, but by the grace of God. And there goes any of us except for the grace of God. And so the reason why we need to be rooted and grounded, and the word ground there is more of an architectural, architectural, an architect term. <laughs> I'm not Biden. Anyway, it's... Um, it's a term where my son, when he was down in Sacramento, doing an internship, and they were building a big 30-story tower, and every morning he had to go out with this gauge, and it would go clear down to where they were putting in the pylons to see if it was right on target, and then they would send the information to the engineer that they would see that they were right on target. Because if it wasn't on target, then it wouldn't be, a, it'd be just a matter of a few years that it would start being the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So if we don't have a firm foundation, it can start tilting, it can start crumbling, it can start falling. And so Paul is saying here, he says, I want you to be so rooted and grounded in love. It's so important that we are rooted and grounded in love so that we can grasp. The word grasp means to apprehend. Not just to try to understand it here. Love doesn't come from up here. Love comes from here. And to grasp, to experience. I remember working at a, speaking up at men's camp. We had a bunch of bikers that, that came up. 
and we'd have 30 to 60 bikers that would ride their, their Harleys up this hill. And they'd all line up. They're used to have been up old old branch. They'd all line up and they'd come down at one time. And you can just hear, you know, and they were coming in and they, some of them just had their vest on, no shirt, just their vest and hairy, wetty, smelly chests. And I had finished preaching and we asked all the pastors to come up around the side and we asked people if they needed prayer to come on up. And there was a guy. About my size, about six eight, and he came up because we had talked about love, and he came up and he grabs me. Okay, six eight, and me. Where is my head? <laughs> right smack down in a wetty, smelly chest. I don't think he had taken a bath or shower ever. And I just held him. And he wept and wept and wept. It was just an amazing thing. That's what grasping love is all about. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus looked at people, he didn't say, get your life together. Come on. It says he had compassion on people. He knew what they'd gone through. They hurt. He was there for them, prayed with them, and he cared for them. He loved on them. That's what he's called the church to do. And we can't do that if we're not rooted and grounded in love. You can have all your doctrine in order, all your theology in order, but if there is no love, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Hello? There's something about experiencing God's dimension of love. It's powerful. Thirdly, to be filled with the fullness of God. The word there, plural, means to full measure, complete. Not just a part of God. You know, some of us, we want, we want just this part of God, but we're, we're, we're kind of a little shaky about that part of God. When it talks about the fullness of God, I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has. Hello? You ever gone to a coffee shop, and they come in, they fill your cup of coffee, and it's half full? And I said, can, can, can you fill it up a little more? And they put another eighth of an inch. You know, oh, thanks. No, I, I want a full cup. You know, you go to these fancy restaurants and they bring out this big plate and then the food is like. I'd rather have a restaurant that's like this and the food is over it than, you know, I, I, I like to eat. Oh, that's obvious. But there's something about the fullness of God. I don't want just a part of God. I want all that God has. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 4.13, it says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Colossians 1.19 says, and God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in, in, in Jesus. And then Colossians 2.9 says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you 
have been given fullness in Christ who is the head. What does that say? I have the fullness of God inside me. So why would I limit God? He's got it all. He's got it all. So I have a couple of questions. Do I daily ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen me in my inner man? Those areas that you struggle with. Because many times our, our struggle is in the area of our soul, not our spirit. So if we're struggling with anger, we're struggling with unforgiveness, we're struggling with bitterness, we're struggling with fear, we're struggling with addictions. Lord, by your spirit, strengthen my inner man, the ability to say no, the ability to reject, the ability to know that, Lord, you free me, you break me through that. Your truth has set me free, and I believe that, and I stand in that, and I live in that. Am I grasping, am I experiencing the love of God with all saints? Do I want the fullness of God, or am I just satisfied with just what I have? This is fine. I'm, I'm fine. I think sometimes we're afraid of the fullness of God because we're afraid that God might call us to do something we don't want to do. I was planning on being a high school band director. That's what I was studying. And then God began to speak to my heart, and next thing I know, I ended up being a youth pastor up in Canada for five years. And it's like, whoa, what, what just happened? I never regret making that choice. I've known two band directors, and after I talked with them, I knew it was the Lord that didn't let me go to become a band director. Might have killed several students. <laughs> I'm kidding. And the last question is, how do I limit God? The things that you're believing for, things that you're praying for, don't stop. I deal with pulmonary issues, and I've been prayed for. At times I feel good, sometimes I don't. <clears throat> but you know what? That's not where my focus is. My focus is, Lord, what do you want to do? He hasn't limited me from doing what I'm doing right now. I walk around our neighborhood. I talk to people. I share with people. I know that God can heal, but that's not my focus. My focus is, God, what do you want to do? I'm not going to limit you. Because notice what Jesus, or what Paul says in Corinthians, he says, he has taken the weak things to confound the strong. He has taken the least likely people to confound the noble. I mean, God sometimes is, is, is a God of uh, contradiction. He takes little. I mean, when you look at the leaders that he chose and the people that he chose throughout uh, the scriptures, they weren't powerful men when they started. They weren't successful. They were, some of them were criminals. They were murderers. They were adulterers. 
Read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the book of faith. That whole list of people in the book of faith, they had issues. How many don't have an issue? Two people. God can use us all. And as the church, his prayer for the church, for you and for me, is that we would be filled with his fullness. And then he concludes his prayer this. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably, you can't measure that, immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power, not our power. The word power there is dunamis, where we tend to get dynamite. And I think we tend to be people that we love power. We like control. We like to be in charge. As I was preparing my message, and I had it all pretty well done before I went to to Connections back east, and then a gal spoke about the power of God. It's all about humility before God. If you want to experience God's power, humble yourselves before God. And when we humble ourselves before God, his power will show up. Because it's not about you, it's about him. When we are trying to make it happen, it's about us. In the name of Jesus, boom. No. Sometimes it's just a quiet word, Jesus. Just be still. Let this person just know that you are God. And all of a sudden, God just comes up. It's not a demonstration of your power. It's in the power of Jesus who gets in the hearts and the minds and the lives of people to change. Amen? Stand with me, Sean. Lord, I pray for your church today. Not just those of us here at Life Church. Lord, your church at large, that we would be a people who will be strengthened by your spirit, your power through our inner man, so that in faith you will dwell in our hearts, so that we would be rooted and grounded in love, so that we can grasp the height, the depth, the length the dimension of your love. Lord, you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to your power. So Lord, we release your power. Empower us to share with our neighbors and our friends. Empower us to share with those at work. Maybe not be limited by our own insecurity and our own fear. Lord, may we step out in faith and believe that, Lord, you will be there. You have gifted us. You have empowered us. And so we thank you and we praise you. I just want you for a moment, would you just put your hand over your heart and just say, Lord, empower me by your spirit and my inner man. Since there's a couple of you here that you're not even sure about your relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, open the door and I will come in. 
and I will sup with you. Jesus, just empower us. But let us understand what that empowerment means, that we humble ourselves before you and let you do what you do well. So, Lord, as we leave from this place, we leave as your church empowered by your spirit in our inner man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, there will be people down here to, to pray for you. And uh, turn around and shake hands with somebody. And God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.